Good afternoon. This is Anthony Pudlo, the IPA Vice President of Professional Affairs, and welcome to today's uh, Board of Pharmacy podcast series, the what, why, and how of the most recent Board of Pharmacy meeting that occurred here on August uh, 30th and 31st, 2016. I'm joined actually in the room today by uh, two of the Board of Pharmacy Compliance Officers. I have Jen O'Toole and Sue Mears, who uh, is going to speak to a couple of the issues that was brought forward today during the Board of Pharmacy meeting. Before I um, go ahead and jump into some of the dialogue, I do want to just note um, that IPA has been working diligently to work to have these podcast series accredited um, for continuing education. And I'm happy to report that starting in 2017, the Board of Pharmacy podcast series will be uh, accredited as Pharmacy Law CE for both pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. Um, We are working then to actually waive the CE fees for IPA members, and that will actually be then uh, rolled into the IPA membership bucket for both relicensure and recertification um, continuing education for for our members. So um, we're really excited about that opportunity, and I I really want to thank both Jen and Sue in joining me here today to recap um, the recent Board of Pharmacy meeting. So to start off, I really wanted to speak to one of the um, proposed rules that have come forward that focus on um, some of the the more um, timely topic around prescription drug abuse and more specifically opioid abuse and misuse. Um, That being proposed regulations that focus on um, the use of naloxone. And so, Sue, I want to start with you. I know um, maybe if you can just give some background on where and how the Board of Pharmacy has been able to work to finally adopt rules on this topic. Sure. So this last legislative session, uh, the legislature approved and the governor signed into law a bill that expands access to opioid antagonists. So specifically right now we're looking at naloxone. Um, And so the law allows expanded access in two ways. Um, One is that a prescription can be issued in the name of a law enforcement agency, fire department, or a service program. Um, And so the pharmacy then can fill that prescription in the name of that entity without having a specific patient identified on the prescription. Um, The other aspect of the law allows a pharmacy to dispense naloxone or opioid antagonists um, under a standing order or collaborative practice agreement. Um, So we've been working over the last couple of months with the public health department um, and various organizations under the department's um, uh, guidance, I guess, um, to develop um, a standing order that could be utilized statewide that Dr. Patty Quinlis would be willing to sign. Um, And then with that, we've been developing these proposed rules that would allow pharmacies to dispense under those standing orders. Great, Sue. That's that's excellent. I know we've been, um, as the association, we were closely monitoring that legislation, and we were uh, surprised, I think, at the very last minute that some of the, the pieces that you spoke of were, were able to be pa- um, approved or included in some of the legislation, as well as then, as you mentioned, signed by the governor's office. So it is great to see that the board has been um, able to work with the Department of Public Health on adopting rules. Um, and so can you maybe just speak of maybe some of the dialogue that happened with the Department of Public Health um, when you sat down to talk about implementing this legislation? Sure. We've met with um, various entities within the department and with the medical director herself, EMS folks, um, to really get a broad picture of how we want this to look in Iowa and how we can make it happen to be statewide so that it's consistent um, through every county. 
Um, and so we did a lot of research in looking at what other states are doing. There are 30-some states that already have implemented such a law. Um, so we really didn't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, it was a lot of research in compiling what other states are doing to develop um, a proposed uh, standing order and then rules uh, to go with that. Okay. So to then just clarify again, and I know um, in the past year also um, there was legislation, I really think last year, that focused on epinephrine um, right. access. Yeah. So I know as you were speaking around EMS and law enforcement having access to that, so in, in the current proposed rules, does the naloxone piece follow very closely that epinephrine regulation or can you maybe speak to what that component looks like? Well, in some ways, it's similar um, as far as the a prescription being issued in the name of an entity of a law enforcement or you know fire department service program. That's similar to the epinephrine that can be issued in the name of a school or school district. Um, but as far as the the standing order component, that's more like what we have for immunizations under okay. a protocol. So great. I'm glad you 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 let it right into oh. I think my next question is around that standing order. So it's unique that we're actually referring to it as a standing order in this case versus say a, a statewide protocol. But if I'm understanding this correctly, the idea of the standing order would be a very similar concept to a statewide protocol that um, if and when signed by, say, somebody like the medical director of public health, it would be able to be implemented by any pharmacy that wants to adhere to that standing order. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. As long as the pharmacy adheres to the board's rules, you know, once they are finalized and adopted um, and then they meet all the criteria in the standing order, then they could utilize that essentially as a prescription to fill that naloxone for uh, either a person who's at risk of an overdose or a person who's in a position to assist gotcha. somebody at risk. So knowing that the board today um, reviewed these proposed regulations and they did vote to notice them, um, I know this officially now goes out for an open public comment period Correct. in which the board will look for um, comments. So I encourage all listeners to think about how you may want to look at this and review those um, proposed regulations and comment. Um, know that the state does have a rules.iowa.gov website that in, allows for the, anybody to submit their own comments to those proposed rules. But I might ask, uh, Sue, maybe my final question on this front is what you might foresee pharmacists doing now um, to help maybe prepare themselves for when these rules might become enacted um, here in the near future. Sure, sure. There's a lot of information on um, just on the internet about opioid antagonists and what other states have for programs. Um, and, and so a lot of what will come out in our standing order and our rules um, is very similar to what you'll see in other states. So they could start researching some uh, continuing education programs. There are at least four or five just when I did a simple search um, that are free at least an hour, if not two hours. Um, and our rules at the moment would require at least one hour in advance of um, participating in a standing order and then one hour every renewal period. So they could start looking at some of those continuing education programs um, and just overall refamiliarizing themselves gotcha. with naloxone and the forms that it comes and um, I guess just exploring their pharmacy's interest in participating. Great. Thank you, Sue. And I would just add as well, this is something that the Pharmacy Association is very closely monitoring as well. Um, we are preparing to um, help with ad uh, additional educational materials, not just through our 222 monthly webinar series, but through the Midwest Pharmacy Expo and the annual meeting programming, as well as our um, 2017 IPA Goes Local program. We'll have a focus on prescription drug abuse and opioid misuse. So we encourage you, and we're going to do our best 
passed across um, both parties, both the Board of Pharmacy and IPA, to educate all pharmacy staff about what this means and what this means for your practice. So moving forward, I would like to turn over to, to Jen here um, just to really highlight, I know with today's, well, not necessarily today's, but excuse me, yesterday's um, uh, meeting of the Board of Pharmacy, there was a unique thing that was on the agenda, that being um, actually two different open hearings for public comments. Um, one that was focused on some proposed regulations that were um, issued for telepharmacy practice, and then another that focused on um, the Iowa Monitoring Program for Pharmacy Professionals, or IMP3 as it's been abbreviated. Um, Jen, can you maybe just speak to the open hearing process and how, how does that differ, how does it complement um, how, how the public is able to um, provide their feedback on proposed regulations? Sure. The, the rules are created by the Rules Committee here at the Board of Pharmacy. We will send those rules to the uh, Administrative Rules Coordinator, and in that time, the Governor's Office also has a chance to review those rules. And then they are published in the Iowa Administrative Bulletin. Um, at that point, they are noticed for public comment. And there are two types of, two ways that people can comment. Um, there's written comments that are usually, that's the usual process is we're, when we're writing rules. Um, this time we did a public hearing so that not only are written comments accepted, but the public has an opportunity to voice their comments as well. This was a, a topic that um, had a lot of interest and we wanted to make sure that everyone who wanted to make a comment um, was provided that opportunity. Great. So I think maybe just in summary, what I think I noticed from those uh, public hearings on both topics, it seems like, especially around maybe telepharmacy, um, there was a lot of um, interest and a lot of actually a lot of great feedback, I'd say, from pharmacists out there. I think that topic um, previously had gotten more civic leaders to provide comment to the board. And this time around, I think I was very intrigued and excited to see um, pharmacists and other pharmacies submit comments to really help guide help guide the board with how they may need to move forward in making modifications to the rules. So I might just add, um, from a timeline perspective, typically after then uh, public hearing then, it, those comments that are collected, um, and Jen, help correct me if I'm wrong, would then go back to the Rules Committee for consideration before final rules would be adopted? That's correct. It'll go back to the Rules Committee. They will make changes um, if, if they think that changes are necessary to be made. They will look at every comment that has been submitted and give it a full and fair uh, opportunity. And if substantive changes are made, then they will send it, it will have to be noticed back to the administrative rules um, coordinator and be published. And then it starts the process again. Okay. And then there will be another uh, pe comment period where- So it kind of starts from all the starts way Starts over, okay. right. So that then uh, the public has an opportunity to comment on the changes that have been made. Perfect. 
Well, I, I really appreciate um, both uh, of your time, ladies. Um, I think it was really a great Board of Pharmacy meeting this time. And I encourage all of you, if you have any additional questions, feel free to reach out to your local compliance officer with the Board of Pharmacy or to IPA staff. We are here to assist you and understand um, all the different changes that have been um, proposed here from the Board of Pharmacy. So thank you for your time. And I look forward to um, our next Board of Pharmacy podcast series, which will occur um, with the next board meeting, which occurs on November 1st and 2nd of this year. So thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.